Justin Spaulding Show, episode 8, where we're not very professional podcasters. We just kind of show up every day that we do this and just roll with it, right, Ryder? Yeah. Just kind of roll with it. Josh Eastman, what's going on, man? What do we got today? January? No, we're February. February what? 12. February 12th, 2021. We're in Janesville, Wisconsin right now, where it's like negative... Four. Actually, what is it today? Four? Five? Two? Two degrees? Last night was cold. Yeah. It was said like seven, so it was like the warmest it's been here in a while, but it was like it's it was it was a cold, a very cold seven degrees. I don't know if this was like it was like damp in the air and a little bit of the wind wasn't even actually blown that much, but I was just like I was freezing. I was even in the house freezing. Just one of those cold, cold days. So if you're new to the show, thank you guys so much for joining. If you've been here uh, and joining us for the first seven, because this, this is the eighth episode already. So if you've been here for the first seven episodes, thank you. Thank you so much. If you haven't, if you guys are watching on Instagram live right now, please, uh, please go and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Is that what's showing right now? Yeah. Okay. What? Audine's background of his computer was up for a second. Oh, I'm it's, like, it's probably you oh okay. Uh, Please go to YouTube, subscribe to the channel, leave a comment. Anyone else that you think would get value out of this thing, if you guys could share it with people, like Cordell, if you got buddies on the football team or something, you're watching through Instagram right now, I know, uh, share it with somebody, dude. Anybody that you guys think could get value out of it, share. If, if you don't think they're going to get value out of it, think it's a waste of time, don't share it with them. I don't want to annoy people like that. But uh, maybe share with them anyways just one time, just see what happens. Um so anyway, we are rocking and rolling. Just if you don't know who I am, Justin Spaulding uh, from Milton, Wisconsin. Originally from Milton, Wisconsin. We're in Janesville today. I live in Stoughton, Wisconsin, which is right outside of Madison. Um, we're uh, doing real estate around here. We have a painting business, but we have about 700 uh, apartments that we own slash manage with our about 60, 65 investors. We got about 22 million dollars of investor capital under management that we went out leveraged. We've got about a hundred, just just right around $100 million worth of uh, apartments and real estate owned and managed. Um, and then alongside that, uh, last year wrote a book. Um, and when COVID started, two weeks after COVID started and the world shut down, I, just started, I decided to start a painting company. Um, yeah, that's what we're doing here. So we got Maudine with us, who's, what do we call you? What's, our, what's your role right now with this? Podcast manager. <laughs> Maudine, our, our part-time podcast manager right now. Uh, and then we got Ryder with us, who started as a content creator, but um, he's kind of evolved into a sales rep in our painting team, uh, in our painting, and our in Prime Painters is our painting company. So he's a sales rep there now, uh, crushing it. We've had some estimates come through lately. Hopefully, crossed. he's got his fingers crossed right now, which I don't know that that's the best strategy <laughs> ever to cross your fingers. Uh, but we've had some good bids come in. What we had a ten thousand dollar bid yesterday. We got a fifteen thousand dollar bid sitting out there. We got. Couple three thousand dollar bids, maybe yeah. seventeen hundred dollar bid, wow. stuff like that. Painters were in the back shop. I can see the door to the shop right now. If they just open that door, uh, if you're watching. You can see me pointing in the direction. If you're just listening, I'm about ten feet away from our uh, the shop space at our office. And uh, this morning, we had uh, six of our painters out there, five or six of our painters out there, plus me moving stuff around because we're starting a new inventory system. Um, and a new tote system for our interior exterior painting crews to try to make it more efficient. What? Beach house or not? What am I looking at? That's a podcast. Oh, uh, so <laughs> we're trying to be more efficient back here with the shop space. So we like 
it, we, we kind of blew it up. Uh, we moved stuff around. We've got uh, shelving in place to do inventory for consumable items. We've got totes for our non-consumables, just equipment, everything. And hopefully we spend less time in transition while we're ending a job and starting a new job because of the totes and how we're packaging equipment and stuff like that now and having inventory hopefully a time the only times that we're running to the sherwin williams paint store shout out sherwin williams because they're an awesome partner we've got some really good pricing with them and some rebates and all this stuff going on starting for 2021 uh but hopefully the only time our guys are going to the paint store is to get paint stain primer that's pretty much it i don't want our guys going to the freaking paint store 20 times a day I'm always looking at the paint receipts. I get an email at four in the morning of like what we got the day before. I'm like, how many, how many damn spray tips do we have to buy around here for our sprayers? So I know there's so much waste. How many paint brushes are we going through? I'm like, we need, what, what, what are we like prima donnas? We need, we need like six paint brushes per week per painter. I'm like, there's just so much waste going on. So we're, we're uh, coming up with solutions for that. Um, Cause I know we're just inefficient kind of, and, and I know, People, I feel like, waste a little bit too much time on if being efficient or working on being more efficient. But I know that we can be, even if we can be like 10 or 20% more efficient between, um, between jobs with time, you know, knocking out some time to not have to go to the paint stores often and um, saving time by, you know, our guys not having to go pick up caulk and uh, rags and uh, sanding, sandpaper, at the store, Sherwin Williams gonna come and drop that stuff off to us once our our minimum inventories are hit. So it's gonna hopefully help us a lot. So we're getting all that stuff organized this morning. So I did a little bit of sweeping, I did a little bit of moving, I folded, I uh, crushed some boxes or whatever you want to call, it, broke down some boxes, um, doing some. Sometimes you gotta get your hands dirty. Ryder knows that I do that stuff around here every now and then. I'll, I'll chip in, and do whatever has to be done. Uh, but then obviously you gotta be aware of your time as well. And if you know. Your time is more valuable, which actually, Ryder, you and I talked this about. Yeah. Ryder's working on getting a, a property that we talked about on the show before. Seven units. His inspection was the other day. Did it go good? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Made some, like, crowd noise. Like, eh, in the show. Uh, but Ryder and I were talking about this because he's like, should I just go down there and, like, shovel? I'm like, dude, you have a shot at making $100,000 a year as a sales rep with a painting company. No, you should not take four hours to go shovel the snow at you because you can pay someone else. $10 or $20 or whatever to go to go do that. I think our painters are out of here. Uh, they just gave me the wave. So I'll give them the wave back. Um, so you just want to be wise with your time. At this. But at the same time, sometimes you got to roll up your sleeves and do the things that you're asking other people to do and be out there and lead. And I didn't want guys wasting time in the shop. We had six guys back there. I wanted to put them to work. Hey, this is getting moved here. I was being the director and I swept a little bit too. So anyways, uh, get into the show a little bit more. Um, not going to go to the first question yet. Because I wanted to have a conversation with Maudine, podcast engineer, <laughs> and writer. Uh, what guys? How do we get to the point on this show where we can like broadcast live on like Facebook and YouTube, and and like Instagram and I'm familiar like with through that? Thing. Can we do it so like all that the cool stuff yeah, shows it, up it, too? It'd be the exact same stream. There's actually a way. Yeah, I'll, I'll stream on Twitch. I'm not a video game, Why but I'll not? even stream no, on no, Twitch, too. But how can we do it through the one camera so it's, like, streaming it, it everywhere? nothing different. We would just change the stream go to all those. So could, could we also do this at the same time? It could, it, could all this show up on Instagram Live? Could all this show up on LinkedIn Live? I didn't even know. 
I think it does. I don't know if I'm qualified enough on there to do it, but I, I've seen people. Well, I know we could do YouTube, which Facebook. Facebook personal page or Facebook Justin Spalding business page? Yeah, man. Whatever one you want. Both? Both at the same time? Uh, I don't know. You like one person. Basically, what you do is you stream to this software. That software puts it out and you. Well, if this is the case, if we can only do one, I think we just test it out, do every other one for a little while. But then if we could do both, that'd be awesome. I mean, I don't like multi-multi-stream. Can we just broadcast over CNN and like, can we do that? I don't know if that's going to be your attended audience, but. I'm just going to, before we get into the questions of the show, if you're watching on YouTube, if you're just listening along right now, I'm scrolling through the live Instagram. Looking to see, because I thought I saw a couple questions come through already. Ava's watching from two doors down in the office. Hi, Ava. Josh Eastman says, yo, 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 what's up, Josh? Uh, Cordell, I thought Cordell had a question on here. Cordell said, talk about dropping out of college and pursuing entrepreneurship. I mean, I'll do one better on that rider talk just a little bit about this, because he didn't even drop out of college. He just... You dropped out of high school to start I here. Did not drop out of high school. Oh, you didn't? No. You graduated? I got that little piece of paper. Okay. Ryder, answer Cordell's question or just talk about dropping out of college and pursuing entrepreneurship. So let me give you a little bit of background too on Cordell. Cordell is, he's uh, super, he played, Cordell, I, th- I might murder this, I might be wrong, but I, th- I believe he played college football for one year at the University of Iowa, transferred to my alma mater, University of Dubuque, and is probably going to go on and beat, smash all the records that I have there. I don't even have all the records anymore. I think one guy already beat my rushing record or something. But And he, Cordell, actually, he's a guy, I think he's talked about Tesla on here before. He invested. He's invested in Tesla oh, all along the way. The one day on the podcast on here, we brought up how you were investing in Tesla yeah. and you were sick because one day you're like, oh, it'd be worth $120,000 right now or whatever. I'm like, hey, shoulda, coulda, woulda. Uh, everyone's a shoulda, coulda, woulda. So Cordell, he's like he's like investing and um, he's got like a awesome entrepreneurial mindset. I, I can't remember if he's a sophomore or junior. He's got a couple years left. I don't think he's actually looking at dropping out of school because he plays football, but who knows? He's crushing it already business-wise. So, and actually Cordell also ran like photo booths. Like he'd show up at weddings or something like that. And yeah, that was like a side gig he had for a little while. I don't know if he's doing that anymore. But anyway, so Cordell's probably like maybe 20, 21, 22 and Ryder, you're 18, right? So Ryder, do you want to take a stab at this first? Talk about dropping out of college. And for you, I guess, just share yours where you're just like, you didn't even go to college. I don't don't know anything about dropping out and I... That sounds scary to me. That was just because I knew my mom. Wait, you never considered dropping out? Well, because I never even really. Right. So you were, so, okay. All right, and, keep and going. I, I did consider going, like, I was going to go to, I, I, I was like, I'll just go to a tech school for a couple of years. Go just pay for it, do whatever it is. Um, I think that, if you're going to go to college, I think that's your best. I'll see what happens after. Um, but I, I just knew what. Depending on what you want to do. If you already know you right, want to go right, be a dentist. Right, right. As always. I mean, I don't, I don't know how to answer that really. I mean, I just kind of did what I wanted. Us and on someone, so happened to be you and out to you and. So so maybe do it this twisted a little bit where just talk about uh, what okay, tell them what's kind of going on right now in your life, not going to school, and what you think maybe if you were going to school, what it would be like, and what the difference would be. If I was going to school, I'd probably be trying to, like, start businesses on the side. I'd probably be pissed off. I'd probably be, like, giving the school 20 a year. 
I'd be like, so twenty grand for a relationship. Out of it, I wouldn't. Hmm? Um, especially with my mindset. Was the first. Um. What? So, what have you been able to accomplish this year? Like not going like because what you graduated oh, in June, right? Yeah. So absolutely. it's been six, seven, eight, eight or nine months. First of all, I not going to school. What have right. you been able to accomplish that wouldn't you, you wouldn't accomplish because you bit school all the way and whatever? Well, the first thing I did is I opened a credit card and I turned. I know people have mixed thoughts on credit cards, but well, which I that you could have done. Credit. You could have done that though if you went to college. Right, right. That's true. Okay. That's true. All but right. I wouldn't have had money to spend, and I probably wouldn't spend. And then not that I spend money really at all. Like I. From the same $25 jacket I got from American Eagle Outlet. But, I mean, that's a tough question. I mean, it's not a tough question. I just don't know how to answer it. Would you have seven units under contract no, right no, now if not. you weren't no, working here? No, no. Okay. No, obviously, you have some money. Right. Um, I guess that's where I thought. I thought okay, we were yeah, gonna be. Yeah, yeah, okay. I guess our ESP is not like this. Is why you can't be a co-host of the show yet. <laughs> exactly. Because yeah. I was like trying to set you up right there. Maudine's laughing. I'm like I'm trying to like set you up, well, and now like you didn't take the take the take the setup. Well, instead of putting money out, I got money coming in. Yep. True. That's right off the bat. Rather than money coming in, I don't really have advice for him because he's not in the position that I'm in. Right. I mean, I think to sum it up, I think you know if you drop out of college. Um, I'm not saying everyone should just drop out of college, and I don't think everyone should just drop out of college. It's totally dependent on what you want, right? Like, I, if I didn't play football, I don't think I think I would have dropped out, um, because I would have started my own business, and I don't. I mean, let's face it, I I was skipping classes already, like my junior and senior year, and so like the only reason I would do just enough is because like. I wanted to stay eligible for football. That was my main thing. Right. I mean, and then I was also done. I was done in three and a half years, actually. So I, I sit here and I say, like, I didn't try it. Like, I'm, like, I didn't go to Harvard. I went to the University of Dubuque, and it, the education there, I'm assuming, is not as hard as Harvard. So, like, I, I'm just kind of just off natural ability or knowledge or whatever. I was able to do just enough, right, and get good grades and still graduate ahead of time. But if it weren't for if it weren't for football, I, I, I don't think I would have. Um, I don't think I would have stayed. I think I would have left. Um, and I think that I would be doing everything that I'm doing right now. I think I'd be doing all the same stuff, but I think I might be two years further along potentially. But football, I think, did, which is why I stayed, but football, I think, really did help me when it came to like leading people and challenging people because you have to challenge people when you have employees. Um, I had to challenge two or three people this week a little bit. Um, to get them to, to level up a little bit in a sense um, and step it up. Um, and, and that comes from football. Um, so, so I, I don't know. I, I think um, if you're, if you're going to school and you're, you know, you're just making on the education, the piece of paper that's going to save you uh, and you're, and you're not, you know, once again, if you're going to be an attorney or a dentist, like a professional like that, you obviously need it right now. Right. But if you're going to school, like, and you want to be a real estate entrepreneur or own real estate, School isn't gonna, I mean, that, like, yes, there are, you know, maybe 10%, 15% of the stuff that you learn at school can really help you. But is it really worth, like, I think you can go learn that somewhere else for way less, uh, way less of a cost. I think if you're gonna drop out, you gotta have, yeah, I would agree. You I would agree. I would agree. Like, whether that's studying or 
Starboard somewhere. Hells are whatever kind of start plan. But I also think if you're in school for more than two years or a year, even you should already have a plan. Otherwise, it's like, well, why? Well, I mean, a lot of people how did they folks they want to do right. So they just right. Tell us so Cordell, that's a little bit about it. Um, if you're watching or listening, I'm right now. If you're listening, I'm scrolling through Instagram right now just to see other questions that we have. Um, yeah, we have the guys from someone down here said make sure when Williams deliver your products. Yes, they do. Um, we don't have them deliver. We don't rely on them to deliver paint though. Um, because we've had them not show up. So when we're on the job, I can't afford to not have people to, to, to have not, to, to have them not show up with the product and all that stuff. Um, oh, I can see how many people we have live yeah, on, on the cool. screen. Okay, yeah. cool. So we got eight people that are live right now. Dad's one of them. Mom's probably the other one. So we had six, maybe six other people. Uh, all right. Let's uh, let's get into the questions. Anything else right now? Um, but but so can we really get in that direction? When can we next week? Can we be in yeah, a position yeah. to stream on multiple places? Yeah. All right, and then and then let's figure out if I can stream on my personal page and on my business page. Yeah, and if we can only choose one, we'll choose one for next week, and then the week after that, we'll choose a different one. We might be able. To, I haven't used that software yeah. in a while. I just want to see like what happens if we have a little bit more distribution, no, and then can we still see like how many people are watching live through all? Of those? Ooh, maybe. maybe. All right. Anyways, we're trying to advance the podcast and what we can do here, capabilities. So, uh, did, so the first question, if you're watching, you can see it on the screen at the very bottom, which it's right next to where it says "Check out my book" at justinspalding.com. Throw that in there. Um, which you know, I have like we went through a lot of books and I was really kind of promoting it. Now I've like I've got a couple boxes of books in there, still in there. So like, will you guys buy some of these books so that we can get lower the inventory a little bit more? You know what I'm saying? Uh, all right, did I start real estate right out of high school or did I get a degree? Um, I got a degree, but when I was getting that degree, I was learning outside of what school was teaching me. So this is something I talk about all the time, so I don't need to spend a ton of time on it. Um, but once again, I think you can go either way. I got a degree, was able to get into real estate. Ryder's in here, he's getting into real estate and buying and, and investing and stuff like that without having to get a degree. You don't need a degree to do this thing and I'm not saying one way or another what way is it like either way you can be successful but just having a degree does not mean you're automatically going to be successful let's go to the next question I didn't pretty well. yeah the, yeah I didn't even yeah uh, next question is should I jump in on a co-borrower deal for a duplex slash four unit in Sacramento California or do a single fam solo um, California, yeah, California's a tough spot anyways. I wouldn't be investing any money in California, but if you gotta get your foot in the door in California, more doors is better. So if I were you, I would, and I don't know if you have any experience at all or not. If I were you, the only way I would do the single family is if it's a uh, fixer-upper that you can just get right right now for 150,000 and flip for 175,000 six months later, or 210,000 six months later. and. It, at six months, like three months, four months, um, and make $60,000 and not use it as much of a, like an investment, but just use it as a way to make more money to then go out and get more doors, right? So if you're looking at actual investment, like I'm not looking to get out, don't get a single family home and sit up, plan to sit on that for 10 years. Um, now, if you're gonna get a single family home to flip, realize that you could have to sit on it for 10 years because maybe no one wanna buy it. Um, and are you gonna be okay with that? 
but don't go in with the mindset and the goal of holding on to a single family home for 10 years as an investment. I would get as many doors as possible, whether it's a duplex, four unit, eight unit, and raise some money from one other person in town or two other people in town um, and get started that way. Um, and if you're really good, you can probably negotiate some benefits for you based on performance. So if they get X, X return and it hits a, their minimum return, you get more of the splits after that of the profits. That's what we've done here. Um, we pay a 6% preferred return to all of our investors. Everything above that's a split. And then there's another tier where even more of the split comes back to us, our general partnership, which is where I'm at. Um, and we've been able to benefit really well out of that. Our investors have been able to benefit uh, really well out of that. Um, so the more doors, the better. Uh, but at the same time, even if it's a duplex, four unit, eight unit, 16 unit, those smaller, I, I would still consider that a smaller deal. And what I would try to do is I would try to actually get in and out of those deals as fast as possible, if it's possible. Um, but once again, I still buy with a mindset of I'm going to have to hold on to this forever. So don't think you're just going to get in, get out quick because the market could turn. You might have to hold on to it longer. But your goal should be get in, get out within six months, 12 months, uh, 18 months, 36 months. Find a property you can add value to and then add that value. Your debt's going to stay the same. You'll start paying that debt off, right? You just widened your equity gap. You gained more equity. You want to unlock equity doesn't really mean anything if you can't unlock it i would unlock that equity then go rinse and repeat but now in a property that's instead of four units that it's eight units or instead of eight units it's you sell the eight unit and you get a 16 unit or if you can start with a 16 unit you sell the 16 unit hopefully scale up to a 32 50 or an 80 unit that's what i would try to do next question uh creating so this this is like a comment question um, creating a deals pipeline with brokers when just getting started specifically for triple net leases. So I think the question is how do you create a deals pipeline with brokers when just getting started? I mean, when you're just getting started, no broker, when I was just starting, no broker cared about me. And I know right now the only broker that cares about riders is mom, <laughs> right? Family's always going to care about you. And, the and, and well, yeah, actually right now, cause you have a property owner contract. Yeah. So actually the, the seller for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. For sure. So, so in that scenario, they care about you. So you already, but now that other person could care less if you weren't doing anything, right? right? right. So that's my point here is when you're just getting started, you're not going to start a deals pipeline with broker. Let's just put it that way. You're not going to. They're, they're, if the brokers, if the brokers list something or have something coming up, hey, they'll let you know. They want you to be in the know. But they're not just going to. If they have a pocket deal, which what I mean by that is, if they got a pocket deal, a pocket deal is if a seller comes to them and says, hey, I wanna sell this building, but I don't, which this happens, I wanna sell this building, but I don't want it to be openly marketed. I just want it to be whispered, I don't want a lot of people finding out, I don't want my tenants to find out, I don't want my staff to find out, whatever. They'll go to a broker that they might have a relationship with or the broker's successful or has a name or whatever. They'll say that, they'll say, hey, I just wanna whisper this deal around, do you know of anyone? You're, if you're just getting started, you have a 0.05% chance to be on that list of, the, of who the broker is going to call with this whisper, quote unquote, whisper deal. And, but the thing is, once you start having success, then, and you've performed, then you're going to start to hear about these whisper pocket, they call them pocket deals, right? So Springdale Apartments that we bought in Waukesha in November 2019 is 199 units. That was a whisper deal. Ironically, six months prior to that, we closed with that broker on a property that was not a pocket deal. It was widely marketed. Everyone knew about it. We closed on it, built a relationship with a broker, show them we could close. 
obviously they're not making money unless we do close. They don't want to make themselves look bad and bring a potential questionable buyer that they don't know can perform right to the table. So like we performed, they knew we could perform. So this broker six months later gets a deal. That's a pocket deal. He's just whispering around. You know, the seller comes and said, Hey, I don't want to, I don't want to rock the boat too much here. I just want you to whisper. Like, do you have any guys that might be interested in buying this? So he brought it to like three people. I was one of the three people. I jumped on it right away. We had an $18 million, $20 million project locked up before the entire world, the rest of the world saw it. We closed for $93,000 a unit and you're, we're two years ahead now. There's, there's similar properties that are selling for $140,000 a unit. Our property would not get $140,000 a unit yet because we're still in the middle, but would it get 115, 120? Probably, right? So that's the power of, but now going back to this question, you're not just gonna, you're not gonna necessarily be working alongside a broker, in my opinion, um, when you're just getting started. Uh, most people won't, um, especially for the triple net lease stuff. I mean, cause there's 1031 buyers and the brokers, there's so many buyers for this stuff right now, a broker, for them, you know, once again, you'll find the one out of 500 brokers or one out of 100 brokers that will want to help you just because I think a lot of people want to help people, but don't think you're going to just be tied with this broker all the time and you're going to create this property list. So if I'm understanding the question correctly, my way of answering this would be you, you got to go create a deals pipeline. You can't wait for a broker. And even like, even when you get to the point where you have connections with a ton of brokers, you're still like, like, yeah, you can reach out to them and ask them, hey, are there any pocket deals you got right now? Anything you're finding on the market, whatever, and that's great. Um, but you still, you need to have your own list. You can't just, you can't have it be the broker. Like, and I hope this question isn't isn't from the standpoint of, I want the broker to do all the work here, right? Because I also get the vibe of this question coming from that angle too, is hopefully they can just take care of it. No one's going to do that. You got you to gotta put it on your shoulders. You got to go out and do it in order to be successful. Uh, otherwise, your odds of being successful are just, are rare. Um, so you should go out, you know, I don't know the person that asked this question, I don't know where they're at with experience and all that stuff, but you should go out and find properties that have a triple net that, that are, that are listed on the market that are triple net, go out and look at them. That's where you got to start. Go out and get the numbers on them. That's where you got to start. Uh, and then from there, from there, you can just drive around your area, find buildings that look like they could be triple net leases, lease buildings, which that's where the tenant is responsible for paying the real estate tax, the insurance and the maintenance of the property. Um, and they're just basically the owner collects the rent and they pay the mortgage and that's all they got to do. Um, that's what triple net lease is, which you see specifically for NNN. Anytime you see NNN, it means triple net. Um, but triple net, just drive, like drive areas that you already know and, and look at buildings. I mean, you can, if, if you, if you know what triple net is with this question, you should be able to drive the streets and have an idea of what buildings are possible triple net leases. Now, now write those addresses down if they appeal to you, right? If those buildings appeal to you, write the addresses down. You can then later go find out who owns them and you can start doing some of that legwork by yourself. You don't need a broker or anyone holding your hand to go do this thing. That's my advice. That makes sense or am I just yeah. blowing wind? No, 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 that makes sense. Maudine, you getting in the groove, that makes sense? Other than clicking the wrong question. What, he what? clicked the wrong question? <laughs> well, you know, he skipped ahead one. It's all right. He's a podcast engineer. He can do what he wants yeah, now. Yeah, I guess so. Three more? Three more? Cool. Uh, let's see if we have any more that came through on Instagram quick. I don't see any more that came through. A couple more comments, but not much that came through. All right. Um, next question. Can you give some insight on student loans and how it affects your debt-to-income ratio? Um, 
I guess I can just start by saying I still have $3,500 of student loans. People are like, why don't you just pay that off, dude? I'm like, well, right now I'm just got my fingers crossed that Joe Biden's going to cancel it, right? I'm going to take advantage of that. Why not? Um, I mean, I've already paid off. I think I had like, I can't remember my exact amount. I have to go back to look, but I think it was like forty to $60,000, maybe a student loan debt. Seven or eight or nine. Yeah, something something like that. And people are like, why don't you refinance it? I'm like, I don't know. It's just not a priority. Like, I'm just, I pay my, I pay the minimums, um, which right now there are no minimums because, like, everything's frozen. So I'm like, well, I'll just sit on it then forever. I mean, if people want to play the game, I'm going to play the game too. Why would I not just take advantage of it? I don't know. Um, so my, 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 my first initial um, comment on student loans are if you have them, like, my recommendation is just pay the minimum on what you owe. <laughs> Unless you're going to buy clothes or some stupid crap. If your minimum is $300 a month, pay the minimum. Don't go buy flashy things. And if you were going to plan on prepaying like $600 a month, so maybe you say, hey, instead of, in my opinion, if you can be disciplined and save money to then later invest, do this. Pay the minimum of $300. If you were planning on paying an extra $600 a month to make it a total of $900, don't. And take that extra $600, do not do it. And take that $600 extra dollars a month and put it in a savings account every month. The savings account is just a place. It's not, we're not saving to get rich. We're not saving to get wealthy. But the, the savings account is just going to be the place that you stash your cash until you have an investment vehicle that you can invest in so that money can start working for you. So once again, I go back to, and I'm always going to argue people, like buying a house is the worst thing that you can do if that's a, your first move for sure. A house to live in that you're not going to flip, that there's no business plan. The next worst thing is just being able to accelerate debt, debt payoff. Um, now I get it, some people it gives them peace of mind and so I get there's certain scenarios where I could be wrong and I, you don't have to listen, to take my advice. This is what worked for me, I guess. That's what I'm trying to get at. This is what I know has worked. So if I would have bought a house or if I would have accelerated and just wrote a check for 40, 40 grand, 50 grand, 60 grand when I had the money a handful of years ago, if I did that first, I wouldn't have been able to get started in the four unit. In the four unit, we ended up buying, the four unit is what then allowed me to buy the four unit next door to that one, which then allowed me to sell those first eight units off for $610,000 that we bought for $300,000, which then allowed me to go out and buy a 10 unit for $585,000 that we now have listed on the market for $1.3 million. And it took, when I sold the eight units, I didn't just invest in the 10, uh, the 10 unit deal. I also went and invested in this building. If you're watching on Instagram, you can see behind me, this building right here, that's 47 units. YouTube can kind of see it too. Um, that's 47 units. I wouldn't, so my money would have gone to the debt payoff. I would have been playing defense versus playing offense. And I'm going to play offense every single time. I started a painting company because I'm going to play offense. I'm not going to go play defense and sit in my COVID shelter and die and, and wait to die. I didn't say that, but and sit there in my COVID shelter and wait for my businesses to die. I'm going to go play offense. I'm going to start a new line. I'm going to start a painting company. You guys are laughing at, um, um, I'm going to always play offense. And that's my mindset with, with, with this. Now, how does it affect like the debt to income ratio? I mean, the more debt you have, like the more, the less favorable that is for you, the more debt that's costing you money. Right. So more, 
more credit card debt that's not paying you, uh, you know, uh, debt on a house that isn't paying you is not good debt. Like no banker, if you're going to get a commercial loan and you have a house and you have that liability, that's going to hurt you trying to get started in your business. Unless you have home equity line of credit that you can build up, use in that. If you just bought a house, the odds of you going to get a business loan or whatever, nil. Because you don't have that much equity built up in there. They don't, the bank truly, they'll tell you it's an asset. But the bank truly doesn't look at that as an asset if they're going to lend you money. They do look at the debt that we have on the apartment buildings as more of an asset because it's cash flowing. Right? So what what is is the student loan debt? What does that do to your uh, debt to income ratio? It's, it puts it in a more unfavorable position for you. But if you don't accelerate it, you can save money to start playing offense. And then by playing offense, now do you not only have an asset, you have, you, you have an asset that's paying you every month, hopefully, or you start a business or whatever. And now having that debt to income ratio is less relevant because you have the cash flow coming in anyways, right? And you're, you're playing offense. So you want to play offense. You don't want to play defense. Uh, I don't know if that answered this question correctly. Um, or where they necessarily really wanted me to go. But, you know, obviously any debt that's not paying you, that's a true liability, um, not going to be in your favor in any scenario, right? How long after your first four unit did you get the second one? Like nine months. Nine months. Were you able to get that because of the renovation? I mean, what helped was I was able to show proof, like what we're... So we bought the first four unit, Two months after that, I sent out letters to like every person in Fort Atkinson saying, hey, I just bought this property at this address. Let me know. I'm looking to buy more. Let me know if you are interested in selling in the next, you know, you know, six weeks to, to 10 years. Well, finally, I, you know, so we closed down that first four unit. I think it was August of September. And then two months later, those letters went out. It was another four or five months after I sent the letters out until the, the neighbor of the property reached out because I put the address on the letter, right, of the property I currently own. So he knew, oh, crap, this guy's the neighbor. He reached out to me. Showed, so number one, if I didn't buy the first one, I wouldn't have got it because I wouldn't have attracted that guy because it was off market. He came right to me. Um, then number two, I was able to show the lenders that, hey, here's our business plan and this is what we've done over here, we're going to do the same thing right here. It's the same. I mean, it was the same thing. It's the same build. I mean, I think when they were constructed, the same person built them. And then over time, sold one to one person, sold one to the other. So it wasn't the same party. It had a shared driveway and everything. Yep. Use the same lender. Um, We only had to put 5% down because we had some seller financing. So, so yeah, I mean, if it weren't for the first deal, I wouldn't have got the second one. What was your question initially? I don't even remember. That was just how long. Yeah. Yeah, so how, nine, nine months to a year, something like that. Nine, ten months, I think. Next question is, can you talk about the process developing the script and pitch for the painting business sales? I mean, I kind of copy, you know, sales is sales, right? So I already had a pitch for all this real estate stuff we're doing. And so I know I just had to find a script. So then what I also did, though, is I took, I took imagine this. Like I start a painting company, I tell you guys, go learn. What did I do? I paid $2,000 for a course so that I could learn from a guy that's already got a $10 million painting company. He gave us scripts. He gave us like what the business, the numbers should be, what your, how much money you should be spending on advertising, how, you know, your painting process, all this stuff. We don't use 100% of it. When I first started, I did because I didn't necessarily know like the actual ins and out of painting. And I, I wanted to learn. From, I, I could have figured it out, Right. right. I, want, I paid the $2,000 to accelerate that learning curve from down to six weeks to, you know, 
six months down to like literally two weeks and we were up and running. Yeah. So, so I'm always talking to you guys about learning, right? I'm still doing that. Like you got to invest in yourself. $2,000. What people are like, should I invest in the stock market? Should I dude invest that in yourself? So you learn and can grow your skills because those skills ultimately is what's going to pay you. Right? So, um, the process was, I mean, in a way I copied a little bit, right? And now we've got our own little nuances and you know, we're finding ways in my opinion that are better to do certain things yet. We still completely suck at certain things. Um, you want to talk about the sales pitch a little bit? I mean, what are you, what are you hey, saying yeah, right now? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm so it's needs, it's needs based, right? So, I mean, it's, it's all needs based. I mean, if we go knocking door to door, um, which, which we actually did a little bit before Ryder was doing that. And I mean, the main thing there would be, you know, you go find it. They don't have to have wood, uh, wood siding. They can have, you know, a lot of people will have aluminum or, you know, stucco or whatever, whatever type of siding that might not need to be painted right now. Um, but they will have wood trim or wood soffit or, you know, whatever around the doors and windows and garage doors. And if you see some flaking paint, go up, that's all you gotta do, knock on the door. Hey, hey, hey ma'am, did you realize that you had some flaking paint over here? We should probably get that taken care of before it starts rotting. You actually flick a little bit of paint off. It says, it, no, it says that, yeah. And, and uh, so it's just like needs base. It's all, I mean, it's, it's a need, right? Because if they don't fix that, you gotta make them realize it's a need. If they don't fix that, it's gonna be a bigger issue. Trust me, we've got a lot of real estate right now. If we don't take care of issues, I've seen because the buildings we buy are in crappy condition, stuff can go to crap over eight, 10, 12 years. And that's relatively really quick because people are in houses so long, it seems like and everything. If you don't take care of it, now you just got a bigger issue. Why don't you stay ahead of it? I mean, Ryder, you know, like when we're, when we're bidding stuff for paint, the prep work is what actually yeah, is. That's the prep work is what takes so long, which is then is where the bill is at. It's not, not really the paint. It's not really the actual, not the actual painting that's usually it's it's all a lot of the prep work is 50 to 90 percent of it it's 90 percent of it when it's stuff that they've let go for way too long so it's all needs based and it's just having a just like any sales it doesn't matter if it's painting or whatever it's just starting the conversation and having conversation and it's if it's leasing apartments it's how many touches can you have with those those leads that you have um and in, and and in how small of a window right so Whenever now this is just changing direction a little bit, but this is what I have to I had to get after one of our employees earlier this week and have a semi serious conversation with them where I got a little excited, um, and I was like I was like dude you got to be calling these leads when they come through you got to be calling them right away you have thirty leads right now you haven't that's what I had to say to them I'm like you have thirty leads right now that you haven't even reached out to how are they gonna buy how are they gonna rent from us how are we gonna make a sale on an apartment when we don't even contact them, right? So when I was, and now I, I had the conversation, look, before we started growing this company, I've done everything in this company. So I know how long it takes. I know like what, what process to do. So you can't say that you don't have time to do it because I know I've been there, I've, I've done it. So I said, look, you need to, our sales process there, like when I was renting apartments like crazy, you know, eight years in storage units, and all that stuff. When we would get a lead come through, I would text them, email them and call them immediately all of them, every single way, so that they can reply to me how they want. Because when we call people, typically we're leaving a voicemail these days anyways. Not a lot of people, I mean, what, 20% of the people are gonna pick up the phone when you call them, maybe? Good, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Ryder knows, Ryder's laughing. Um, so, yeah, home advisor's a scam. Uh, so, 
So um, so then that's what I'm doing right out of the gate. And then I'm following up. If that's in the morning, I'm following up later that afternoon. And, and comes to find out, this is all my fault because, and our leadership team's fault, because we have, we had, he was contacting the person three times over like a, a week period and then making, turning that lead and, and clicking it as, as inactive. I'm like, dude, they're, they're never inactive, ever. Like, renting's a little bit different because, yes, people will find an apartment whether they're looking over three months, six months, whatever. But three contacts, like 80%, 90%, I don't know what the real stat is, whatever, but between five to 12 contacts you need to have with people before they. So then, and the first, that first goal with, with so in apartments, in leasing apartments, it's to set the showing. Well, in painting, the first goal is to set the appointment, which is the estimate, to be able to show up to the estimate. So you might have to reach out to a lead five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 times before you can set up the estimate. And now, Ryder, you know this. Now now it's a new game, getting them a, a, a $2,000, $5,000, $15,000, $25,000 estimate. Now you know it's a new game, and that count starts over because now you've got to follow up sometimes another three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirty. I mean, we have people, we have leads that we got um, in the painting side that we got when we first started doing retail jobs in May. We still have them in a database. We're going to keep that email and that phone number because we're going to keep reaching out. Because if they don't need painting right now, they're going to need painting in the future or they're going to know someone that needs painting. Why would we ever get rid of something in a database and make it inactive? I never would. Same thing with investors that we have on our list. I, I, I freaking send mass emails out to people that have previously said that they'd be interested in investing with us. I never take anyone off the list unless they say, hey, please remove me from the list. Then I'll, like, I'll remove them from the main list. I'll put them on the second list and like, won't include them in every email, but at, like you know once a year type of thing. I mean, I, like borderline like restraining order, right? But um, that's sales though. That's the follow-up and like, that's how you're going to have success is, is, is it's all, it's not just like the initial pitch, like it's needs based and then it's the follow-up. Uh, so I can't, I can't get back in that zone right now. What is our pitch right now for the, uh, for, what, for the painting company? Like, yeah. Just say, hey, my name is Advisor. Yeah. And, and it and varies by person though. Right. Because you can have clients that want to get right to it. Right. And you got people that. Yep. So it's building rapport. That's the biggest thing. Having the conversation, communicating with people. Um, you know, it's a little bit different too with right now, Ryder's primarily been working with, um, he's primarily been working with incoming leads. So we treat those a little bit different than like we do cold call as well. So when we cold call, we just basically, you know, it's, it's basically the same script that I have for the real estate. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm Johnny with Prime Painters. I mean, I could just use my real name. I'm Justin with Prime Painters. Just wanted to see if over the next, you know, in between now and over the next 10 years, if you're gonna have any painting projects coming up. Cause that's all I, I wanna have. To me, it's not even really a pitch or a, I just wanna open the dialogue. I want them to know about our company. I wanna cast as wide a net as possible. And I want them to know about our company. Especially paint something like painting, because it's not like it's it's different. I think a little bit. I mean, it's a little bit. I think everyone needs painting at some point, of something. That's your renter. I don't know that you necessarily need. There's a lot of renters. Landlord. Landlord. Yeah. But I mean, that that's the biggest thing is just being able to like open the 
And that's what's always worked for me is like whatever the service is, hi so and so, I'm I'm Justin with X, Y, and Z company. Just wanted to see if over you know between now and the next 10 years, you're gonna need X, Y, and Z service, what we offer, basically. And people most of the time, like most of the time when you're calling people, they're like, oh yeah. And like you just then you start the conversation. Right. And then it's like then it's starting to qualify. Like, okay, what do you like, you know, what do you what do you got? And then you let them talk again. It's interior, exterior, you know, whatever it might be, right? So, and then it's, you know, asking for asking for referrals, which we need to get better at doing, asking for reviews, which we need to get better at doing, um, which really, as I think about it more, I, I used to have the project manager, but that should really be a sales rep person following up kind of after to kind of close that because a salesperson always wants to, and right now I'm talking to Ryder, and this is a training moment about Prime Painters. Uh, the project manager previously, I was like, you should be the one getting the reviews. You're the one wrapping up the project. But really, like that project manager and our painting crew, they'll, they'll wrap up the project. It should really then be the sales rep that sold that to call them back to get the review and get referrals. Because now it's like, you, hey, you, know, you calling as a sales rep at the very end, hey, how'd your paint job go, right? You can have that conversation with them. When they get that question, they're like, oh, wow, this guy, like, not just a sales guy, like he called me because he cares about the pro So you kind of close that loop that you kind of started at the beginning. But then that also is a, is a point where like if they say they love the company or had a great experience or whatever, that's where you say, hey, you go to Google, leave us a five-star review. You go to Home Advisor, leave us a five-star review. Go to Facebook, leave us a whatever, wherever they want to leave us a review, leave a review, get a review. Ask for a five-star review. Hey, will you leave us a five-star review on Google? Here's the link, right? And then it's like, hey, do you have any referrals? But now you also though, just like you, you kind of, you had another touch right there, right? So we're talking about these touches in the sales process and you had another touch right there for, to, to just keep uh, you or keep the company in mind when it comes to the future paying jobs, right? So, and then it's like the, the thing that we did the other day where we sent out, you know, an email to all of our previous leads. Hey, you know, we already have a stacked April coming up with exterior jobs. We have a few windows available for any of you that want interior as we wrap up our interior season. And it had what, two or three or four, five yeah, people? Oh, I, I had actually quite a few, few and, people. And, and, yeah. And then for like recent. Yep. So it's those it's those touches and so many people, you know, like you work so hard to get people's like email address or phone number or whatever. Like, why would you just write someone off? Like, keep that thing forever. It's there's value. There's value to extract. You know, to have to have success, you need to have a transaction. Right. So you can't have that transaction with someone if you just write them off and lose their contact information. Because now they're not on top of your mind and you're definitely not at the top of their mind, right? But all those touches, right? And this is true, once again, this is not just painting. Like, I'm not just talking about a freaking pitch. Like, this is just the sales process. And this sales process is way more valuable than any pitch. Like, a pitch you can refine and retweak as you kind of go. But you just start with, like I, what I said before. Hi, I'm Justin with Prime Painters Call. I wanted to see if over the, between now and the next five years you have any painting needs, interior, exterior, at all. I just shut up and listen. And then like some people hang up. Some people say no. And if they hang up, by the way, I'm not removing them from my list. If they say, please remove me from my list, I'll remove them from the list. <laughs> but what they don't know is I'd move them to a different list. Just follow up a little less frequently, right? And then it's just like how you, how you like handle yourself too. So like I'll call those people back that told me not to call them back, but it'll be like eight months instead of every 30 days. And when it's eight months from now, I kind of like make a joke. Hey, I'm, I'm persistent. I'm sorry, man. It's a pain in the butt, isn't it? Like, and they'll, they'll laugh. Like, you get them to laugh. You, it's, it's just a conversation thing. I mean, I, when I was sitting down with our one property manager, when I had to get after him a little bit, 
um I can't remember oh he was he was shocked that I did he's like he's like I don't want to be that pesky salesperson I'm like you know what sometimes you're just gonna straight up be labeled that who cares move them if they ask you to take them off the list take them off the list and put them on the next list right you took them off the list. they didn't say you couldn't put them on they just said hey take me off the list I'll, I'll take you off the list man I'll put you on another list and we'll follow up with you in eight months right um and but what I told him I'm like dude it's just a conversation I'm like we got a guy that paid a $25 application fee to get an application in for an apartment we're waiting on his proof of income right now why would you not follow it's it's a service it should be it should be that guy you should present it in a way where the guy's like oh thanks I didn't want to just waste my $25 here's my here's like make the call it doesn't have to be it's not a confrontation it's a it's a conversation um that's that's it i mean and Ryder, i think you like we talk about all the time i think you have a lot of skills that i have because a lot of it's just building rapport with people right. and just you know just you're not like scared to promote the business and like tell them you know and and, and it's a lot of it's just listening to people too yeah. i mean you ask you ask three four questions and you just listen to the answer and that's and now you're just rocking and rolling then you got to anchor the pricing and you know and you you know we have a certain process with if you're if you're uh dealing with and selling with products that are you know potentially a little bit higher end items like some of our paint jobs are ten thousand dollars fifteen thousand dollars you got to anchor that and we're never the cheapest there's someone out there that if he's just a joe blow guy that's going to go paint by himself and not be professional and whatever maybe show up whenever he wants and doesn't have the sales team doesn't have an accounting team doesn't have a not a legit business stuff that we're doing for ten thousand dollars someone can probably go find someone that might be able to do the job good for four thousand maybe they might run into some issues too that won't be fixed. Anytime we have an issue, I'm like, hey, how can we fix this? And sometimes it's just a pain in the butt and you can't, sometimes you just can't please people at all, which is just whatever. I remember a couple of years ago, I should actually start using this story. Um, my mom got a ton of kids for floorboards um, at our old house. This one with one. Um, I don't even, even want to get into his details just because it was really messed up. Like, um, for a couple hours a day, yeah. he'd sit in his car and smoke. Yeah. Half the time he was there. Yeah. And then asking for more money to happen. Yep. His all, all of these stories. Yep. Of course, my mom got that side, which feels bad, but like, I'm like, you're paying a lot of money. Well, and so to go back to what I was saying the, about the anchor, the pricing of the anchor, like when we're going to, to anchor your pricing in the sales process on a higher t- ticket item, we're going when we're going through it's like yeah and this is you know we gotta we kind of explain to them what needs to be done like if we got chipping paint and stuff like yeah we gotta we gotta get this scraped off and we gotta sand her down so that the new paint adheres like it's work that goes into this prep work and it, you know and if and if they're wanting us to you know paint cabinets or whatever we kind of try to and we're still learning too but we try to like make them realize oh this is not like i want them thinking oh shit this is gonna be expensive because my goal is when we go through that, like I want them thinking, oh man, this might be fifteen thousand dollars. Then it comes back at nine thousand. I don't want them thinking like with how I go through and anchor my pricing. I don't want them going through thinking, oh, this is going to be easy peasy, like lemon squeezy, and like it's going to. I don't want them thinking it's going to be two thousand dollars, and then they see a nine thousand dollar bid. Right. So it's got to be needs selling, uh, selling based on needs. It's got to be uh, anchoring that pricing with letting them know kind of our processes and like what we're doing and like how the prep work is, is so crucial to a long lasting, you know, paint job. Um, and that's just, that's just with whatever product you've got, uh, 
you just twist all of that and then now you have your quote-unquote pitch but there's more to the whole thing than just like the pitch right what else anything that was good that was a lot of free information shit (laughs) we should start charging a premium on this thoughts on flipping houses i know who asked this question Maudine did, yeah. Maudine asked. I was actually question. thinking about that when you were talking about single family homes. That's why I didn't go too much into it because I knew it was coming up. I did see this one because I saw Maudine on the list. I'm like, oh, Maudine, pop it in here. I'm like, now I'm like, is Maudine just being a smart aleck and like wants to like, because I've kind of called him out. Hey, why don't you participate a little bit more here, Maudine, being the executive uh, executive engineer of the Justin Spalding Show podcast? But no, he's like, hey, no, I'm serious, Maudine. Since you're in the house, <laughs> asking you know thoughts on flipping houses. What's your like specific question that you have? Have you ever thought of? Hmm. So have I ever thought of flipping houses? That's kind of what's scared. Um, yeah, I have just because I don't view flipping houses as really like I don't view it as an investment the same way that I view us buying an 88 unit or a 200 unit apartment building. Right? That's like an investment. That's investing money. There's there's big time investing benefits there, long term you know appreciation, all this stuff. Right? So flipping houses, I think is great as long as you recognize that it's more of a business, right? And now, yes, you invest in your business and all this stuff, right? So it's, it's investing, but it's just, it's different than an actual like long-term investment. I think flipping houses is great from a standpoint of flipping houses. You buy one for $80,000, sell it for 140, buy it for 80, you put in 30,000. Now you're in 110, you sell it for 140, you net $30,000, right? Joe Biden comes along, you got to give him his 30%, right? But you got money left over. But now you roll that forward and go do it again, right? And then you roll that forward and you go do it again. And now soon, hopefully you have $300,000 from your flipping business that you can take that 300 and you can take 100,000 of it, put it back in the flipping business to go buy two new flips, but then take the other 200,000 and go put it into a million dollar property to get your money working for you. The flipping of the houses, your money's really not working for you unless you get to a standpoint of you've got a big enough infrastructure with what we're starting to have at Prime Painters where you're not the go-to person. When you get your money working for you, you shouldn't have to be doing every single activity. Ryder knows that in the painting company, I probably put an hour to two hours maybe a week into the painting company because I have other people. My money's working for me right now. I got other employees, right? My money comes in, pay the employees, and we grow that way, right? Um, Question. Yeah. If you want to flip a house, say you buy it for five, sell it for one. You were to sell that and not ten thirty one, then you got to pay capital gains, correct? I don't. I'm. I don't know if you can ten thirty one an actual flip. Because I'm not in the flipping business. I've heard you can't. I'm like, how can you not? How can you not? Won't you um, the same thing? Right. I don't know. So right. ask your question again. Yeah. What's your question? Well, say I'm again. saying, say do thirty five thousand dollar profit on five for ninety five, put five thousand sell for one, thirty thousand dollar capital. Well, well, so here's the thing. <clears throat> when you sell when you buy and sell something, they view that more as inventory. That's actually going to be taxed at more of a at a, at a higher rate than normal ta- capital gains. Long-term capital gains. So this is what I mean with our apartment buildings. We're not buying apartment buildings necessarily looking to sell in the same year. We could hold on to those for for 4, 6, 10, 30, 40 years. Once you've held on to something for more than a year, then if you sell it, now you're at long-term capital gains, which is much less, much lower tax uh, tax rate than short-term capital gains. So short-term capital gains, I don't know all the ins and outs and everything, 
Dan Romnick said, I think you have to own the building for a year to 1031. Yeah, I think you have to, I think, I think so too, but there's rule breakers because when we bought the storage units, the second property that we bought, we only had that for 10 months and we were able to 1031 that whole thing forward. But I think the mindset of our accounting team there was giving us advice. They said, hey, like you already had the storage unit, you combined it into that same business. In our mindset, like when we bought it, we were gonna hang on to that for But then all of a sudden we had these guys that sold 300 apartments on the west side of Madison with 40 million bucks. They came along and wanted 1031. It gave us a price for like, oh, holy shit. I didn't think we'd get that number six years from now. Like let's sell this. And then we went on and bought 96 East and bought Springdale because of some of those proceeds, right? So, um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to. That wouldn't be worth Right. So that's why, so, but that's why I view it as, that's why I said, you're going to have to give Joe Biden and Uncle Sam theirs, right? Because, in, and, and that's why I don't view flipping houses as an actual investment necessarily, the same as I do a 200 unit apartment building. What about like a fourplex? Yeah, I-1031, I-1031. If it's just one, I don't think so. Now, if you had one and had the one right next door and kind of like the same scenario we did with our storage units, I'm sure there's a way that you can legally do that. I, so my answer, I, so here's one where I'm just not going to like, hey, the audience should love me for this because I'm not just going to bullshit you into some answer. Like, hey, watch my podcast. I have all the answers. I don't know the an- actual answer. I know that there's certain things that qualify you into different segments based on what you've previously done in business and what your intent was and how you had it set up and you know, all that stuff. I'm sure there's a way to be able to 1031 of your first four unit if you've had it for 11 months or 10. I'm sure if you have a good enough accountant. But now, anytime, now, now this is a thing too, right? Everyone thinks that everything is white and black with tax code. So like there's, there's certain things out there where it's like, hey, we're gonna be a little bit more aggressive here and we're gonna take more deduction knowing that we could, they could, they could audit us or something. And, and, and this isn't just, this is every business. I think everything, Every, there's a lot of gray area. And so anytime you get audited, that's where you could have penalties or you know that would have interest or whatever, basically paying the tax back with interest, right? Now, with, with some of the things that go on, like there's nothing that we're doing that's like, oh, you're completely just negligent and not paying, that's not what's going on. But there's certain, and they, I think this is one of those kind of gray areas where I'm like, you know, and I think that's what it was with the storage units, but it was close enough and our accounts like, no, it's fine because our true intent was to hold on to it forever and we already had the other storage units and we're able to mix it all in and go forward. But, but what, what other thoughts, Medina? What, what else are you looking for in flipping houses? Anything else? <clears throat> I think it's a great way to like, that's the way, I think this is why real estate, like I am not, I've talked about this before on the show, I am not, I don't have a superhuman talent like Elon Musk. I can work really hard and like work really, really freaking hard and like put in hours and like work through tired and when my eyes are bloodshot and whatever and like work through bumps in the road just because I'm like my courage and my work ethic and all that stuff. I think that stuff's some of that stuff's off the charts. But like I think real that's a great thing about real estate. If you have a work ethic, a desire and you have courage, that's why real estate is the most common way for people to become millionaires because anyone can do it. Um, now, that being said too, anyone can do it doesn't mean that they're gonna be successful for the short term or the long term, right? No matter how hard they work. Because you got you also do have to have smarts based on once you get more experience and you know all that stuff. Um, but that's why I think um, 
there's so many different ways to win in real estate. So many different types of properties you can buy. There's short-term holds, long-term holds. There's so much flexibility with debt and structuring that. There's so many other willing investors to get into it. It's a hard asset, meaning it's not just like, like I have no problem going to get debt for real estate. So if we're gonna go buy a $50 million deal this year, I have zero problem getting $40 million of debt put on that. Zero. If it's cash flow and all that stuff. I would have a problem right now even borrowing $20,000 from the bank and prime painters. The reason that the thing that's different is the debt in the, in the real estate is backed by a hard asset that's cash flowing. In prime painters, there's not, there's not like a hard asset, right? It's like IP, right? But it's not like, so I would have a hard time with where prime painters is right now going to get debt. Now, if prime painters changed and we grew and we're doing $20 million a year revenue and, and um, you know, we're, we're, you know, the, 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 the profits on it are, you know, 18 to 25%, you know, annually, I, at that point I might have, okay, I'm fine going to get $800,000 of debt to buy this other painting company and then pay off the debt because it's, at that point I have some size, we have some proven systems in place. We would pay off that debt in the business much faster than we pay off the debt on real estate. So everyone hears me talking about debt, but they don't hear about this side of me talking about debt very often. Anytime I would have debt in a business, I'd want to pay it off as fast as possible. Now, our businesses always have debt because I'll loan money to our business and not pay, take a paycheck for 15 months sometimes because we're going through growing pains where we need the, we need, it's like we have a regional manager starting on Monday and she gets paid X. That means I can't get paid anymore for, I don't know if it's going to be six months, eight months, 12 months. Now, my investments are still going to pay me. So the cash flow from the properties, right? And those investments are still going to pay me, but I'm not going to get a salary until we get probably another 500 600 units or until prime painters has you know some but that's more distributions i get there i don't even pay myself from prime painters <laughs> Maudine, Maudine's like Maudine's like moving on so that's where we just took the uh what do you think about flipping houses uh question Maudine's like well, i shouldn't ask that one Maudine's like i'm the executive manager of this podcast next question <clears throat> yeah, I know. I was, I was just repeating one more. Uh, what multi-level marketing company am I with now? So this is another great way for people to get started is multi-level marketing. I don't care what anyone says about it for sure. Direct sales, multi-level marketing. Um, <clears throat> mul you know, direct sales paid me <clears throat> from like 2012 <clears throat> to like, 2018 or something like that, like $300,000. So not a crazy amount, but the difference between me in direct sales and a lot of the other people I was doing direct sales with was I wasn't doing direct sales to do direct sales. I wasn't doing direct sales for it to be my, my main thing forever, which there was so many people like, why are you investing in real estate? You have this, you have, you could be making two times as much in this direct sales company as you could, but I viewed direct sales as a means to an end at some point because I read the distributor agreement. Distributor agreement said at any time that we're a 1099 employee with that contractor, essentially. At any time, I don't have any ownership in an asset. At any time, so once again, going back to assets, right? At any time, they could take that income away. And you know what? In 2019, they did. And at that time, I'd gotten out enough where I'd already taken my $300,000 that 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 company had paid me, invested in real estate. That company was still paying me at a high. It was paying me like $10,000 a month. 
by that time when it was taken away, it was still paying me three to $5,000 a month. And when that happened to me, I was like, oh, like I cared more about my friends losing their 5,000 to $10,000 a month in AvoCare than, than I worried about my three to five. Cause my three to five at that point, I was like, I don't like it. It was fun money where like, I can just go to the Packer game, more Packer games now. or it's just extra savings for, so it didn't crush me. So the great things about MLM and direct sales is it's a great way. And this is what I've been trying to just pound my sister on. It's a great way to make money, but you better find a way to put that money to work. You better not spend any of that money. There's still people that converted companies that spend money like crazy. I'm like, dude, did you not learn from what just happened 18 months ago? How they just took it out and you lost $20,000 a month income because someone else decided, hey, we don't wanna go this road anymore. We're gonna go right to consumer. So MLM, great way to make money. Don't think it's gonna last forever. It'd be great if it does. I'm not saying your income stream in MLM won't, but you better be smart with the earnings that you build there and get those, that money working for you somewhere else. So I took all the earnings other than what I paid for cash, it all went into real estate and it's what, found, it's what got me started in all this. And now I've multiplied that $300,000 over and over and over again. Well, some people took the $300,000, $600,000, $6 million, and a lot of them wasted it. So what MLM company am I with now? Um, those are just some thoughts on MLM. I think they're great. I think they're awesome. It's an opportunity, right? The reason that I loved MLM and direct sales was that in 10 hours a week, put towards that, or 20 or 40, I could determine, like someone could start on the side, put five hours a week in while they still work their full job and have the full income stream coming in there. They can start multi-level marketing for five hours a week and over a year, it can start paying them five grand, six grand, 10 grand, 18 grand a month. It's a lot of hard work, it's not easy. While they still have their full-time job income coming in, but now they can just invest all that MLM money and put themselves on a completely different level than everyone else. And I try, like, I don't know, it's, I get so frustrated when people are like, you know, they don't wanna put that money to work and they just think it's, you have a zero, you own nothing. You don't own the asset. You do not make the decisions. That company always that we were with that ended, uh, that stopped the direct sales model, they always said, you own your own business here. And I'm like, no, bullshit. I don't own my own business. I am a, I am a, I'm, it's just like you, Ryder. You build a book of business here. You do something wrong that I hate. I'm like, dude, you're done at Prime Painters, right? You built a big book. Well, it's, so it's, it, that's similar to what we are with multi-level marketing. So I'm with Modere now, M-O-D-E-R-E. -E. It's a long-winded way to get to your answer. I feel like it's always. Um, um, yeah, I like, uh, I mean, so I like it. it. It's. I feel like it's less like sweet and less sugary. I know like Abocare didn't have sugar products, but it still, I don't know, yeah, it had like, I yeah. Yeah, no, and there's still there's still some Abocare products that I, I use, you know, rehydrate every now and then still because I really I just really like that product and I like the taste of it. But like the Modere stuff, I like everything there. And I mean, my my sister. So when this whole thing with the other company came, my sister called me and you know everyone said, hey, this thing's shutting down. And I'm like, oh, okay. So right away, my sister got involved with Modere. I immediately got involved with her. Um, got a couple other people on my team rocking and rolling there. And I mean, Modere still pays me. Odair pays me good money now. I've been in it like two two years. I do like zero with it. I don't do much with it. Is it kind of like it's the same thing as Abelcare. It's the same know. thing as is, is, Prime Painters is a pyramid scheme. You go out and you get a ten thousand dollar job. You get five percent. Right. Right. Where's the other? Well, we got we have thirty five percent going to the painters. We got fifteen percent, twenty percent going to Sherwin Williams. We've got twenty percent, maybe ten to twenty percent going as profit to the company. 
What, like, where are people going to, like, a true Ponzi scheme? No, it's not a true Ponzi scheme, pyramid scheme. So, like, a pyramid or Ponzi scheme is when there's dollars being traded and no value. Dollars are moving and people are getting a product, right? So, real estate. Like, real estate's a pyramid scheme. It looks like a pyramid. But so does every other company where you have a CEO, vice presidents, employees, you know, whatever, right? Um... So yes, it's direct sales, multi-level marketing. It's it's sales based. It's there's a there's a pyramid to it. You sign up people, and but it's no different than any any real estate brokerage firm, any big company. They can they can sign up other agents under themselves. They get a cut of what those agents are selling. Right. It's leadership. Like your team's gonna suck if you suck. If you're making money, it's because you can sell. You can get you can help other people sell. You can get other people product results. The multi-level marketing, if, if anyone out there is listening or watching and wants to find a way to make more money, let me know. I can get you on my team in multi-level marketing with Modare, health and wellness products. I will not be the person helping you. I, I, let me take that back, though. If you start to do this thing, my sister will be the My sister's like a boss there, like, I don't know, ten or $20,000 a month in Modare. Um, she'll help you regularly. Get rocking. You'll be on my team. Now, if you're like around for three months, six months, and Modare, like my sister lets me know who's crushing it and stuff, like, yes, for sure. I will gladly, more more than likely, I'd be openly, for like, free to have conversations with you to help you be more successful because it's benefiting me. It's benefiting my family. Right? Like, I'm getting compensated not directly from you, but from your what you're producing. So anyone that wants to be in a business relationship with me who – uh ava says even the country is a pyramid scheme yeah which right now is the scariest because joe uh um so yeah if you're looking for an opportunity to find a way to make more money while you're still working so you don't have to walk away and do what i did to get started in real estate i am more than happy to help three more people that are listening right now or 10 more people that are listening right now like we will get out you me and my sister will get on a call in the next i'll find time in the next 72 hours to get on a call with you to get you set up in modair to get you linked up with my sister so that you can have success there right and it's hard work like don't think it's just like overnight I'm gonna get, like people are going to tell you no people are going to laugh at you like but it is the one of the best ways to quick rather quickly have an opportunity to go from like a company that has zero, and relative no investment. When I started the painting company, I had four thousand dollars that invested, four thousand to six thousand dollars invested. That if I, if we weren't successful, I'd been out four or five thousand dollars. Like to get started, most of these multi-level marketing companies and direct sales companies is three hundred to six hundred dollars. And now you're not. Some of them will even give you a refund over the first year. I don't know what Modare is, but over the first year, if you're not happy, like, and that's what when I got involved with Avocare, the first direct sales company I was involved in, it was like a twenty-one hundred dollar investment. The start, that's where, like, at the highest level, and that's what I did. Boston. But I got three thousand dollars worth of product for that, so I'm like, well, Jesus, I'm gonna get. It's like I'm, I'm just getting a discount. Like, people want to go to like, uh, uh, IKEA and get like two thousand dollars worth of stuff for fifty because I get it's on sale. Well, here I'm like, I'm starting a business, getting products I already like for you know cheaper that I can turn around and sell, right? But with Abocare, yeah, I also had twenty one hundred dollars invested, right? But I had a year. If I was unhappy, I could send that product back and get get a full refund. So I'm like, what the hell? Why would I not? Like, there's no property I can go buy that, like, if it goes south, like, I'm like, hey, bank, can I get a refund? Hey, seller, you want to just take this back and give me that three hundred thousand and that three million or the thirty three million dollars or the fifty million dollars we just paid you? Like, they say, go shove it up your butt, right? So when you can start a business, um, start 
uh, side hustle, I should say, because it's not necessarily your own business. Um, for for three hundred to six hundred dollars a month, and I don't I don't think it's for everybody. But if you're looking for an opportunity, Jesus is a great opportunity. Like I said, we're recruiting, so let me know, and we'll get on a call. Me, you, my sister, will get on a call, and we'll um be happy to help you out there. Process of like, how are you put in your products you sell that product or yeah so so like so like most the, the concept is this right you're basically gonna have people that are gonna want to make money as well you're gonna have people that just want to take the product right so like it's no different than like it's no different almost in a way the people that just take products no product than having your it's no different than having your own little uh um nike store or apple store like that you run and manage Right, you're gonna have customers coming in and out of that Apple store. You're gonna have customers that come in and out of your business. Now, hopefully, like they'll come in your business, they like your product, like they like Apple products, they'll keep buying your consumable product, right? The protein or energy product, whatever, right? So now you're getting a you're getting anywhere from everything that your direct customers buy, you'll get you'll get a profits in like a, a, a commission essentially of you know between twenty and fifty percent on that sale. Now, when you get someone else signed up who wants to basically open their own little store. Right and now, when you're doing direct sales, you don't actually have a store, right? A lot of it's done online, and you don't have to ship anything, whatever. Like the company takes care of that. They can go to your website and order. Your website is essentially your store. Um, you sign someone else up that wants to get started. They're signed up. So now, what happens is you you teach them how to build the business and get customers, and help them help teach them how to get other people started in the business, so that they can go do that. And as their store, as they have success in direct sales, you basically get a percentage. It's essentially like a royalty or a commission yeah. off it's like another store you own and have a partial interest ownership in so you, so you'll get so it won't be like the full like when you have customers you'll get if they buy a hundred dollars worth of product you might make 40 bucks if someone buys a hundred dollars worth of product from the person you set up you might get you might get six dollars but the concept is is through that person you can help them have a business like my sister they i think i, don't know, I think she does like her, her team has like six million dollars of sales annually so when she sets up other people, if they have, if she has other teams, if that team is doing a million dollars, what's six percent or ten percent of a million? Sixty thousand, a hundred thousand, right? Off of that. But then as they start to have success, you have less time invested there because now they already know how to do it. So now you go and do it with someone else. That makes sense. Yeah. So then as you grow, you get you get essentially. And so people are like, oh, it's a pyramid. No, no, like, not what it is. People think that it's pyramid scheme or Ponzi scheme. I have no idea what a pyramid scheme or a Ponzi scheme is. They're just like they're haters that are trying to pull down other people. So I can't tell you how many times I heard, oh, that's a pyramid scheme. That's a Ponzi scheme. Yes, it's a multi-level marketing concept. There's a question on Instagram. What time is it? Oh, jeez. <laughs> you're 45 minutes over, you're 30. We're going to go 30 minutes today, and we're going for an hour and 15 so far. What's the next question? Well, that's the last one. So, uh, did you just end it? No. Oh. So Sam Loom said, thoughts on new Fed chair proposing taxing unrealized gains? Jesus. They can't, I mean, there's just no way that this can happen. So what Sam is talking about, the question that came through on YouTube, for those of you who are listening, you can't see it. His question was, what are your thoughts on the new uh, Fed chair proposing tax taxing unrealized gains and what that means is basically 
How stupid is this? This is how, like, this is the issue with politicians that have been lifetime politicians or have never actually produced anything. They're expecting, let's say you go by Ryder. Here's here's your example, right? This is what they're pers- uh, wanting to potentially do. And I think it's just all BS. They're not going to do it. It's not going to happen. If it does happen, I don't know. So you're going to buy that seven unit for ballpark. I don't know if you're yeah. Just $300,000 is buying a seven unit. What they're wanting to do is let's say it's reappraised two years from now and it appraises out at um, 360000 Even if you still own it, they want you to pay capital gains tax on that 60000 essentially. While, while you're owning it. How the hell are you going to do that when you don't have, like, you don't have the $20,000 just to, from that investment to put towards tax? What are you going to do? You're going to charge that every single year? You will go, you cannot do that. You won't be able to. The cash isn't there. It hasn't sold yet. And not only has it not sold yet, while you're holding it, it could still go back down later and be worth $280,000. And you know that they're not going to give you a refund for that. So um, there's just no possible way, Sam, that if it happened, you know, just like the 1031 thing, I just, I really don't see those things happening. I think just with the lobbying stuff that goes on and how much money is there for these businesses, um, and just like from a logical standpoint, like you have to be an idiot to even propose that. How do you how do you even propose that? How does that math even work? Most people that have these assets, like, yeah, they might have, you know, if we if you have a twenty million dollar property, if that goes up to twenty six million dollars and they want us to pay capital gains tax on the six million dollars, call it we'd have to pay uh what, twenty percent? We'd have to pay like Three hundred thousand dollars on that? Is where are we where are you gonna come up with that cash? Yeah, well, that'd be more than. Yeah. Jesus, bad at math right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a it's a Friday. So yeah, let's say buy a property for twenty million dollars. It's a Friday, all right. Let's say and yeah, Ava Ava asked a question: Is that for the stock market too? Yeah, it's for the stock market too. Is from what I've read. Now this was I read this a while back. I don't know if this is still in the talks. Um, cause I know they were talking about it like a year ago and I know like six months ago, even, I don't know if it's really just came up again. Maybe it has. Cause I saw another, I saw someone else posting about it the other day too. Um, but it's for stocks. It's for, so like, okay, you own stock, you buy, you have a hundred, you invest $10,000 a year from now in the next tax season, that, that $10,000 is now worth 12,000. Most people invest $10,000 in stocks. Don't just have extra, all this extra cash you're sitting on to be able to pay unrealized capital gains tax. So going back to the property, let's say the $20 million property now is 26 million. Okay, what like, okay, I'll use, I'll use a smaller example, a, a 20, $20 million property you buy now, let's say a year from now, the next tax season is 22 million. That's a $2 million unrealized gain. 20% of that is 400,000. I, I mean, where, where's that? Where's the 400,000 coming from since, since I wasn't paid out on the the entire 22 million to net the 2 million where's where's that coming to to pay and then what happens if i pay that now the next year if it appreciates again am i paying it again the the year after that after i paid it twice where's after which which i'm still trying to figure out where that cash comes from i I probably got to borrow money to make that happen so now i'm in more of a debt hole i do have to do it again i'm in more of a debt hole now let's say that it it um on the third or fourth year, it goes back to being worth 18 million versus 20. And it's still unrealized loss. Now it's an unrealized loss. The government gonna owe me money? I doubt it now, but if the government does owe me money, you wanna just lose intentionally? 
people are just I, this, this is the problem like like socialism communism like people left that stuff for a reason like i don't know if anyone saw um go look up pitbull the the, the artist pitbull Eduardo Perez or something is his name, I think, his real name. But go look him up. He's had a really good interview lately because his family came from, he's a first generation, I believe, first generation, lifetime, you know, American. His family left. His family left communism, socialism. So he, he when you hear him talk about politics, and it's it's very refreshing because most, there's so many celebrities out there that really don't, are not in tune or connected with it, never really been affected by it, that are giving all these opinions. It's like, you really have no idea what you're saying and the impacts. But then you, you hear from someone like Pitbull who his family was coming from socialism and communism, coming to America for what America has always been. It's pretty incredible uh, to hear him, his thoughts on it. So, so I'd really recommend if you're listening to go watch that. Um, I think it was within the last like six months probably or so. Um, that he had a, it was a really interesting, uh, I don't know if he, he, I think it was on someone else's podcast, but I'm sure it's easy to Google it, find it. So, um, it would be impossible. Yeah. Well, well, they would have to sell most likely to pay the tax. So then it becomes realized and that, but then now if everyone is have to sell to pay this, like you said, it'll, if everyone's forced to sell, it's. Crush the stock. Right. You can't buy, you can only right. sell. So, I don't know. It's interesting. But uh, ending the day with five live viewers. Hour and 30 minutes after we said we were going to go for a half hour. So, thank you guys so much for tuning in to the eighth episode of Justin Spaulding Show. If, if you do not, uh, if you are currently not subscribed, Please subscribe on YouTube. Please go to subscribe YouTube. Um, and we will talk to you guys soon. Share this as well. Like if someone if someone you know could get something out of this, just say, hey man, check this, check this crazy dude out. You might not know what he's